0: Hello everyone, and welcome to my podcast. It's called Steps to the Spirit. We are, yes, finally, we are going to start a examination of the steps, and this time it's going to be from a completely spiritual point of view. Now, I for one think that the steps are a spiritual program, and it also helps us to live our lives and become relatively normal human beings and do well in the world. However, I think these steps were given to us through us, by God, in order for us to find and uh, develop with our Holy Spirits. So we are now in Season 2 of my podcast, and this is Episode number 4, and the episode is titled Step one, I am powerless, and this is part one. I don't know yet um, how many parts each step is going to entail. I'm kind of guessing it's going to be at least two, maybe three parts each, and I think it's necessary to really fully examine each step from a spiritual point of view. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know that i have my own version of the steps not because of my ego but because it kind of bothered me that the steps were kind of related by a group of people uh and that's fine but in the 12-step programs it says things like we were powerless uh, we had a spiritual awakening etc for me it works better for me to be able to look at the steps in terms of myself and how they're affecting me and what I have to do in order to work the steps. You may also be aware that I have associated a gift uh, with each step and the gift associated with this step one I've associated it with the gift of enlightenment. Now my version of the step is, I admitted I was powerless over myself, that my life has become unmanageable. Now when I first was involved with these steps, my step one was I admitted I was powerless over alcohol. That is that was my addiction was alcohol that was the way I dealt with the world that was the way I dealt with people that was the way I was able to look at myself and when I was drinking and to be able to at least for a brief time say that I was okay by the time I had started drinking I had no real good opinion of myself in any area Any good opinion I had was something that was given to me by somebody else. Maybe somebody said I was cute when I was a kid, or somebody said I was intelligent, or somebody said I was creative. I didn't feel any of those things. And again, I got everything that I felt good about myself from somebody else. And I didn't believe them either. And I want to tell you right from the get-go, I was brought up Catholic. I went to a Catholic parochial school and part of high school, and that just kind of happened to be the way it was. However, all my life from as far back as I can remember, and I don't think it really had much to do with the way I was brought up as a Catholic, I always had this feeling that there was something inside of me that was connected to God. For most of my life, I couldn't really allow myself to think that I was loved by God. I always kind of thought that, yep, if I died, I would be burning in hell because, well, because of what I thought about myself. And I was given an indication by my parents and other people, they said, well, I wasn't very good, I wasn't very, um, whatever, and that I was going to be, maybe end up just like my father, I wasn't going to end up in a good place. There were so many faults that I had that I started to believe them. And you know, one of the sayings is, you get to name, you play the game. So, I did pretty much everything there was to do in order to undermine myself. However, then there became a chance to uh, get out of my shell, to at least maybe partially think uh, of myself in some good way. I mean, my life was kind of like, if you could imagine, a big steam boiler and the fire burning underneath it, and there's water inside, and it's changing the steam. And there was no way for the steam to get out. There was no valve. There's no safety valve. So the pressure just kept building up and building up and building up. And one of the things I've always said was that if I hadn't turned to alcohol, I seriously think I might have been had really serious uh, mental problems and, and not been able to, to handle things at all. But what happened was that I did find alcohol, and I discovered that when I drank, well, I could start to let go. I could start to function in the world like a so-called normal person. I wasn't afraid of everything. I wasn't always self-conscious. I wasn't worried about the way I looked or the way I felt. I was able to uh, deal with the world, deal with my friends, deal with people as if I were as good as them. Of course, you can't stay drunk forever, especially when you're in high school. So, when I wasn't able to drink, then I was right back in the same position again. Uh, lousy, good for nothing, really. That's the way I thought of myself. But And I don't know really how to explain this, but there was always this sense of something better, something more, something beautiful, maybe, that was inside of me. I don't think I got it from my teachers, my bro- the brothers uh, that taught school at the Catholic school. I don't, I certainly didn't get it from my family, but, uh, you know, what they taught me was that, okay, if you do all these things, if you behave yourself, if you follow the rules, if you obey, then you'll be loved by God. Well. That wasn't a possibility for me. I didn't follow the rules. I didn't obey. I didn't do the things I was supposed to do. So I wasn't going to get any kudos from God in, in that area. But still, I always remember having a feeling, some kind of mysterious knowledge inside of me that there was something better, that there was something spiritual, that there was something wonderful, if I could only maybe be good enough to find it or to discover it inside of myself. So anyway, as I wrote in the introduction to this uh, episode, there were like three ways I did the steps. When I first found a program a self-help program, I would call it, the step program, I thought, wow, this is great. I can learn to live as a relatively normal human being, and I wasn't going to get into this trouble anymore. People would like me. I could get along, learn to get along with people, and these steps would be a stepping stone for me to just live my life. I tried that for years, and it worked, somewhat, but it was never lasting, because I was never fully committed to doing this program. I was never fully committed to changing myself. So I would stay sober for a while, then, after so much time, I get the old feelings back. I did everything I could to undermine myself. I would start to drink again. I would lose all my money. I would lose whatever job I had. Whatever relationship I was in would be gone. It was it was just gone. And that's the way I thought I deserved to live my life. Then there's the second way of doing the steps that I chose, was to to start to really listen and pay attention to what was going on Um, and I had started to hurt a lot more and started to be in more trouble and started to just get tired of being sick and tired and so I tried to what they call work these steps in a more serious way. I tried to do what they asked me to do, but, um, it was all pretty much surface stuff. I tried to do an inventory, I tried to, uh, make amends, I tried to do all those things, but, and, and so actually what I was trying to do was to change. Now that was a big word compared to what I was trying in the steps before. Now I was actually willing to maybe take a look at myself and change myself so that I could have a better life. Once again, that worked better. Uh, and that's probably the time in my life when I got started to get involved with... Uh, 12-step programs, and trying to help other people, trying to get an education about uh, what steps are all about, what addiction is about. I worked, uh, started to work in some kind of therapy, in, in working in the field of 12-step uh, work. But again, it wasn't enough. I still wasn't willing to get rid of the things, or unload the things, or look at the things that really, really bothered me. That was about the time I told the story about uh, doing the twelfth step with a priest, and he pushed the twelfth step it was huge. I'm on the twelfth step. I'm sorry, uh, the fifth step, and I had my fourth step there in front of him on the desk, huge, <clears throat> and he pushed it aside and said, "Okay, Charlie." He called me Charlie. He said, "Now." Tell me about all the things that you thought were not important enough to put into that fourth step." Well, friends, he had me. I knew that I rationalized my way right through that fourth step. I was sort of willing to try, I was sort of willing to change, but not absolutely, not really. Then came the third and the way I work the steps today and the way I use them to change my life today. There finally came a point in my life when I was absolutely terrified to continue living the way I was living. I was terrified to keep drinking. And I finally came to the point where I said, I cannot do this by myself alone. I just do not have what it takes to do this alone. And you know what I did, my friends? I surrendered. And that's what really got me to the first spiritual look at the steps and the spiritual look at the first step. Well, I'm a little sorry because uh, I didn't realize I'd be going on this long uh, in the first part, but next part, I'm going to really take the bull by the horns and tell you how exactly that I used the first step to start my journey in this 12-step program and to begin a a very very productive and happy spiritual life so that's it for now thank you for listening and next time uh, in episode five i'll be again going to step one part two and we'll talk about the meat and potatoes of step one thanks for listening bye bye